Lord God, you're worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Everybody lift your voice and say this morning. Come on, lift your voice. Wherever you might be. Hallelujah. 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 The highest praise you can give to God. Adore you. Lord, we adore you. We adore you. Oh, yes, we do. We adore you. Hallelujah. Truly, we, we honor the Lord. You may be seated all around the house. We honor the Lord. We thank him for his grace and his mercy that is ever present in our life, for the tremendous blessing of what is being a child of God. There's no doubting or negating the current climate of the world. What we're dealing with in humanity has touched both the saved and the unsaved, the redeemed and the sinner. We're all dealing with and responding to our crisis. This isn't a foreign crisis. This isn't a national crisis alone. But this is a world crisis. It's touched every part of the globe. While some parts of the earth are not abundant in uh, its effects, many other parts of the earth are overwhelmed by its effects and its effects are reaching everybody. It becomes easy in this time, in this climate of uncertainty to worry, to fear, to doubt, to be unsure of what tomorrow holds. We hear as you listen to the leaders of humanity across the globe of how overwhelmed they are. Our health system is overwhelmed. Our financial system is overwhelmed. Our economy is overwhelmed. 
our resources are overwhelmed and the powers to be are enacting laws and regulations that try to deal with as best we can being overwhelmed in all of these areas. And this all comes from an uncertainty of what tomorrow is going to bring. The great fear is that what we're going through may take our lives. The fear of death is rampant. The fear that if we contract this contagion, it's going to be the end of our days. Some fear that they've misunderstood or misinterpreted the word of God and believe that this is just part of the introduction to the tribulation period and that we have somehow either missed the rapture or misunderstood and are going to go through all of this with all of those that have denied Christ. Now, somehow we are in the tribulation period now. And we are so afraid. Some of us are just afraid because we don't know what else to be. The amazing thing about fear is that fear presents itself as many other things. The Bible talks about the enemy presenting himself as an angel of light. Well, why would he do that? He does that so you can accept what he says because it appears as if he is something other than your enemy. He hides behind a mask, like a lot of the world does. We have a mask of who we want people to see us as, and we're afraid if they get to know the real us, they may not like the real us. So we give them a version of ourselves that though it is based in some truth, it is not the truth of who we are. Fear is no different. Fear is a spirit. It is a power. And it is in the land today. It's touching the wealthiest of us to the poorest of us. The healthiest of us to the most sick of us. Fear does not discriminate along racial lines, along economical lines, along social lines, along class lines. 
Fear is an equal opportunity employer. Fear is offering some jobs right now. It's looking for some workers. The spirit or the power behind fear need you to propel or push its agenda. Fear. Something that I've always taught you, something we've talked about at length throughout the years of this ministry, is that every spiritual power requires workers. Because absent workers, the spiritual power has no ability to function in the realm of humanity. Spirits require us corporeal beings to push its agenda in this natural realm. We as the creation of God have the ability to transcend the natural and enter into the spiritual. And by the grace of God, we are able to function and operate in both realms. But spirit beings require us. God saw to it and protected humanity because if the devil could just simply do what he wanted to do without the use of humanity, humanity would not be here because he hates humanity. So God protected humanity by instilling a law that cannot be broken. It's impossible for the enemy to break this law. For the enemy's agenda, for the enemy's work to function in our humanity, it has to be in concert with, have agents of, collaborators of, its agenda working in our humanity. So then we become the agents of whatever power is trying to exemplify its theology over the theology of God. Something that my dear friend, Elder Marshall, likes to do is take words and attach stuff to them and flip them around and change the front or change the back to kind of make them say something. Something I've always, you know, kind of liked that he does kind of led me to this. Fear. False evidence against the redeemed. F-E-A-R. False evidence against the redeemed. I would be a fool if I tried to tell you that fear doesn't exist. Fear does exist. It's part of the makeup of who we are. But God declares that he didn't give us a spirit of fear or 
the power to fear. But we as the people of God have for far too long been bound by the spirit of fear as it has presented itself as other things. How many of you have heard a preacher say that the Bible declares the wisdom of God is foolishness to men? How many of you have ever heard that before? The ways of God confound the wisest of men. It just doesn't make sense. The things of God just simply don't make sense to man. Well, it's no different here. It's no different when we're dealing with fear and how we relate to fear. We can relate to it in the wisdom of men, or we can relate to it in the wisdom of God. Fear has a purpose. The spirit of fear or the power behind fear has one singular objective. And that is to terrorize everyone it can. Fear has one goal, and that is to terrorize you so you are bound. So you begin to accept things that it's using to bring fear into existence in your life as all there is. You begin to accept as the doctors have declared this current crisis in humanity, COVID-19, the coronavirus, you, you begin to accept this as, oh my God, I've got to protect myself. So then you do crazy stuff, like run out and buy all the toilet paper. You run out and you buy more food than you can eat in a three-week period. You buy so much that half the stuff you buy is going to be rotten, and you can't eat it. But the only thing that you could buy that you could hold on to for a while is Raymond noodle soup and Twinkies. That's about it. Everything else has an expiration date. You, 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 go, you go to this, oh, we're talking about food, talking about food. I know toilet paper doesn't expire. But hold on to it for a while. It may disintegrate faster in your hand than you want it to. But this is what fear does. It causes you to do irrational things under the guise of wisdom. I am trying to be wise to buy all that I can so that I have everything that I need in case I am isolated or a quarantine goes off or a nationwide lockdown takes place without even taking a moment to realize that even if the President of the United States 
put a national lockdown in place, he would not prevent people from having the ability to get food. He's not going to lock us down to the point where you can't survive. Because he understands that if he was to try to do something like that, and all the powers that be understand that if they were to try to do something like that, there would be a mass revolt. You're not going to lock me up so that I cannot survive, where I run out and I have not the ability to go and provide for my life. So what does the president do? He comes across the, the uh, airways, the television, and he tells us, stop buying everything. Companies are saying, we have workers in place. Companies like uh, Meyer and Walmart and uh, Costco and Sam's Club and uh, Kroger's and all these different companies across the, the, uh, the nation are telling you we're hiring extra workers. Amazon hiring 100,000 people. Why? To ensure that there is enough supply to meet your need. But having that knowledge has not changed your response to fear. How do I know this? Because when you go to the store, the shelves are still empty after being restocked. Stores are closing early to restock the shelves to only hours after it opens. The supplies are gone. To where stores have to now, because we live in a society where it's every man for himself, and that's not a gender thing, that's a non-gender statement. Everyone is for themselves. So they have to set rules in the store that between this hour and this hour, only the elderly in our society can go and get some food, get some supplies, before all the younger folk come in and swipe it all out. And when I say younger, I'm not talking about the 20-year-olds and the, and the teens. I'm talking about the 40s and the 50-year-olds who seemingly have lost their mind or acting ir uh, irrationally as compared to what is actually occurring. Has COVID-19 killed people? Absolutely. But COVID-19 is killing people that have underlying health conditions. Everyone else, there's a span of how it affects you, but everyone else is recovering just fine. Yet the fear is, is that if I should get it, oh, I'm going to die. That's the fear. It's very contagious in certain manners. We should take the advice of our uh, leaders and practice social distancing. But if you're going to get into an automobile, 
you can't, you can't but socially distance yourself so far. Unless we're going to have one person driving and one person riding on the top of the vehicle. But we'll say social distancing, social distancing, I can't do this or I can't do that because social distancing, yet we'll get right next to somebody in the car. We won't go places unless it satisfies a need, such as we may isolate ourselves in our homes, but then if we run out of toilet paper, we're going to go everywhere we possibly can to find some toilet paper, and we're going to keep going until we find it. But the idea that I have to isolate myself just went out the window. Irrational, illogical response based upon the power that sits behind fear. It is a spiritual power. And while I don't expect the world to recognize this, I do expect that the children of God ought to recognize this. Now, I can understand churches that fall under the title megachurch with 5,000, 10,000, 30,000 members closing. I can understand that. Absolutely understand that because it becomes very difficult to socially distance yourself as a precaution to prevent the spread if you should have it, because not everyone that has it exhibits signs or symptoms, but they could be a carrier of it and spread it. So it becomes in mass groups of people difficult to socially distance yourself. So I can understand. And they have the means by which to reach their people. I don't even know if this broadcast is going out. We had all kinds of problems just trying to get the, 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 the stream to work. Why? Because everybody is streaming right now. We have to understand that. And because everybody is streaming, everyone's on the airways saying whatever it is that they're saying. The members of this congregation are taking a chance they, that they cannot be fed by the word that God has assigned to this house, hoping that the technology of man will keep them connected while that is no guarantee. We know that if it rains here in Columbus, our system probably isn't going to work. Don't know why, but it seems that that's when it wants to go out. But this is how we respond. We respond. Should we take precautions? Absolutely. Should we wash our hands? Absolutely. But I've got some news for you, people of God. You should have been washing your hands before COVID-19 came on the scene. I tease my wife constantly about her desire to 
um, be clean. Come in the house, wash your hands. You go out in the garage, touch something, come back in the house, wash your hands. I heard somebody say they're washing their hands so much now that their fingernails are ashy. But I, I would tease my wife because that's kind of how she is. We would go on trips and, and go places, and she's not as bad as my little sister, Leanna, but we'd go places, and you touch the telephone in the hotel room. I just grab it with my hand. My wife grabs it with a tissue, examines it, and then says, I'm not going to use that, but if we need to make a phone call, she says, hey, call somebody over there on the very thing that she won't put to her ear, but she wants me to put it to my ear. I don't know. Sometimes I think First Lady's trying to take me out. I, I don't know. I don't know. She has faith in my immune system. Amen. Amen. But we have to understand, people of God, oftentimes we're not doing the things even biblically, that we should be doing to set ourselves up for health. We're not doing the things. We, we, we do these things only when something happens. So now watch this. Every time something has happened in society, people normally run to the church. Watch this. Watch this now. Every time something happens, it's typically spiritually uh, origin. It has a spiritual origin. It's a, spirit of, uh, a spiritual power that's moving against humanity or moving against the body of Christ. It's spiritually uh, originated. So humanity runs to the church. Now, we have an attack because the spirits are not stupid. They know... If you run to the church, you might hear something that gives you what? Hope. You might hear something that causes you to not react to what it's doing in the manner that it desires for you to react. And because of that, it learns. You know that I've taught you about Familiar spirits, the purpose and, and the job of a familiar spirit is to learn you. That's why the things that might affect me will have no effect on you, and it does the spiritual power no good to try to affect you with something that has no power or influence in your life. So these spiritual powers, they learn people. So now with this current crisis, as it's been drawn up in the spiritual realm, its desire is to prevent you from getting to the place where you might get some hope, because hope defeats it. So now people can't run to the church because they're afraid if they run to the church, they're going to get sick. They, they're afraid if they go to the church, they're around other people, they're going to get sick. And if they get sick, they're going to die. Well, first and foremost, even if I was to die, the Bible tells me I shouldn't be afraid of that. 
because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, am I advocating go out and die? No, absolutely not. You do what you can to live as long as you can and die when you can't help it. I believe that. But if I should die, I'm not afraid of where I'm going. And I know that some people in the body of Christ only come to church as a uh, dotting the I and crossing a T. So they really haven't accepted God in their heart. They've accepted him on the surface, but they have not really accepted him in his heart. And because they have not accepted him in his heart, there is an uncertainty about their eternity. And they behave in a manner that represents what they truly believe on the inside of them. I'd rather listen to man's wisdom rather than God's wisdom. I'd rather do what man tells me rather than what God tells me. Am I saying that we should not listen to the authority? Absolutely not. The word of God tells us the authorities that are set over us, we should obey them and follow the things that they say. But the authorities have not said churches close. They've given us some guidelines that we should follow, that we follow here, but they did not say people don't go to church. Just like they're not telling people don't go to the grocery store. Just like they're not telling people don't go get gas. Just like they're not telling people don't go to the doctor. Because they understand that these things are necessary if we are to keep the population in a place of hope. Because hopelessness drives people to a place where they cannot any longer be controlled. Because now you're at that fight or flight level of existence. Fear. False evidence against the redeemed. Let me just talk about this for a moment and I'll let you go. We as the people of God for far too long have been bound by the spirit of fear. We have to first understand that fear is not a gift of God, but it is a tool used by the enemy to bind the very gifts that God has given you to bind the work of the enemy. The purpose of fear is to bind you to prohibit or inhibit you from functioning in the very gifts that God has given you to bind it in every work of the enemy. It is the tool that the enemy uses to isolate you The enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy wants to quarantine you. Why? Well, not only do you not become effective, but you cannot or it becomes very difficult for you to be fed. Because the Bible says, how can the people grow, hear, learn if there is no preacher? Now, there's a lot of people that will run around and say, who is the church? I am the church. 
So because I am the church, wherever I am, church is. And there's some truth to that. The problem is, is your church is lacking a preacher. And because your church is lacking a preacher, how then can you prosper? Because you receive no direction. But I don't want to be directed by man. And that shows the level of confidence and faith you have in the man or woman that has been set over your spiritual development. You are exemplifying your lack of respect and belief in the God that is in the man or woman that is leading you by the direction of God. I don't develop messages based upon my own wisdom or knowledge or understanding or experience. I develop them based upon what the Spirit of God tells me and shows me in His Word, coupled with study, understanding, revelation. And then I impart these things to you. Why? Because this is what God knows you need in any given situation or circumstance. So I am just the oracle of God. But if you isolate yourself, you are not being fed what you need. Oh, but I can listen to so-and-so or, 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 you know, whoever on TV or on the radio, and you can. The problem is, is that message was not designed specifically for you. While you may get some benefit, you may not get everything that you need for your own spiritual health. Because you've isolated yourself from the source of instruction and wisdom, godly wisdom, that God intended for you to have because he brought you to this church. He brought you to the teaching that flows from this pulpit. God did that. I'm not paying anybody to be here. Am I? I'm not paying anyone to be here. I'm not giving you a check to say, hey, come to church and I'll give you some money. You're coming because you were led. You joined because you were led. But now in times of crisis, you refuse to be led. This is what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. Very familiar verse for the believer. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So what then is this spirit of fear that we as the people of God wrestle with both day in and day out, especially in this current climate? Well, if we took some time to break it down and examine its parts, we can begin to understand what it is that God did not give to us and why he didn't give it to us. The word spirit comes from the Hebrew word ruach. It comes from the Greek word pneuma. And it has a fundamental meaning. Spirit is simply invisible force. The foundation of the word spirit is simply an invisible power. It's what you cannot see that is operating in the realm of man. 
The word fear comes from the Greek word phobos, which is derived from the primary root word phobemai, which is to say to be put in fear, alarm, or fright. So then the spirit of fear at its core is an invisible power with a primary purpose to cause you alarm. The spirit of fear. An invisible power with the primary purpose to cause you alarm. You know how you know that you have alarm or that red flags are going off? When you start listening to everything that everybody says about whatever the dilemma might be. I'll give you an example. I received a video. And I was said, look at this video and tell me what you think. When looking at the video, my first thought was, you should have already known this guy is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But he goes through this elaborate 10-minute dissertation about how this whole thing with COVID-19, mind you, that is across the globe, not just America, but across the globe. But this whole thing was orchestrated by the president so that he could invoke some emergency power that negates or does away with the elections so that he could just remain president. When you're living in a state of fear, irrational things seem to be rational. And rational things seem to be irrational. You become bound by an ideology which is the work of your enemy to change the way you think so you change the way you behave and interact with life. But this is what God says. Now I want you to keep that in mind for a second. We're going to swing back to it. Acts 1 and 8 says, but ye shall, who's ye? What does ye mean? Ye is the new math. Drop the Y, add the M. That means me. Ye means me. Like right now, all I hear is how parents are having a problem with common core math, and they want the kids to understand, look, if you just carry the one, it's easy. Well, when you look at the word of God and you see ye, this is biblical uh, common core language. And all you have to do is drop the Y and add an M, and you find that ye means me. So, but me shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And me shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. How can you be a witness if you don't ever leave 
one specific location. You're a witness, all right, because people won't see you, and when they don't see you, your witness is you isolated yourself. So that's your witness. The gift of God is what? The Holy Ghost, which he gave to us to infuse in us his power. So the first thing you have to understand is God didn't give you the spirit of fear because the spirit of fear is an invisible force or an invisible power who's trying to get you to operate in its power. So what does God do? He says, I'm going to negate its power by giving you my power. So then if God didn't give me the power of fear, but the power of God, then what's in me is greater than what's moving around in the earth right now. I am infused with the power of God. The Holy Spirit actually infuses your spirit with God's power. And here's something really crazy. God didn't give you his power to put on the shelf and break only in case of emergency. But he gave you his power to use every day, all day. If you look at natural power sources that we use each and every day, you'll find that all power has a shelf life. There's a time for the power to remain full while that power is not being used. And if you do not use the power within the specified time period, then that power will begin to drain until it's totally depleted. What am I talking about? If you take an automobile and you put it in your garage and you take a car battery that's fully charged and you put it in there, but you don't ever start that car for five years. When you go to start that car, besides all the other problems you're going to have with it, it ain't going to start. Why? Because that battery has a five-year shelf life and it will begin to discharge or drain its power if it's not being used. It runs out. I've heard so many people say that they're worn out. They're stressed out. I know that no one in here feels that way, but you know, you're all supercharged believers in the body of Christ. But I have heard people in the body of Christ make this statement. This statement. And if you ask them why, they always come back with something that deals with the stress of dealing with life and all the things that life is throwing at them. Sickness, finances, family issues, job issues, people issues, me issues, church issues, emotional issues, and the issue list goes on. But if we would take a moment, slow things down, we can begin to see that we're not using the gift of God that's in our life to its fullest potential, and some of us are not using the gift of God at all. What is the gift of God? His indwelling power working or desiring to work in you. What has caused the power to be 
put away is fear. Fear has stopped us from doing more than just claiming our healing, but rather going and possessing what we know is ours. Our healing is ours. Our protection is ours. Our peace is ours. It belongs to us. It is the very promise of God for us. God gives us power not to sit on, but that we might possess the very things of God that he has gifted us with. We have to do more than speak his word. We have to believe his word. We cannot believe his word with just our mouth, but with our heart and our mind. This is why the Bible teaches us to renew your mind, because only when you renew your mind will you begin to understand why you have, you, you have to have the mind of Christ. We try to believe in something without adjusting our thought processes. It's easy to say, I have faith and trust in God. Until you have to demonstrate that faith and trust in God. So when the disciples had the sick come to them, he laid hands on them. The disciples would lay hands on them. Why? Because the Bible says that if you're sick, you ought to do what? Call the elders of the church. What are you going to call them? You're going to call them so that they can come lay hands on you, lay hands on you, touch you without fear that they're going to get what you are trying to be delivered from. Amen. We don't function in the idea that we are going to get what you're sick with, but you're going to get what we are full of. That's why right now I'm laying hands on Elder because I know that he is hurting in his body. So I speak to this body by laying hands on this body in the name of Jesus that this body be well and begin to exemplify the health that is in the believer through the gift of God's power that's working on the inside of us. I speak against this condition. I don't know what's causing the condition. I don't know why the pain is there. But I do know that God says he's our healer and our deliverer. So I stand on his word and I impart that word because the Bible says where two or three are gathered. If they would just touch. So I touch. I stand in agreement with the word of God that this body now is being infused and reminded of the gift of God that is in it and is beginning right now to be restored to proper health. So that he can be what he was created to be. The creator is dwelling in this touch. Not the contagion. But we begin 
to use man's wisdom, oh, I can't touch you. Am I saying that we should just run around and go jump on folk and touch everybody? No, that's not what I'm saying to you. But as a child of God, I believe that if the sick come, I should not be afraid because if I'm afraid to lay hands on them so they can recover, and God has set it up that the working of his power is manifest through people, and I am the enemy of people, I'm going to do something that prevents people from operating in the plan of God so you stay sick. So what? Don't touch nobody. So then the elders and, and the leaders of the church, we ain't touching. We, we're going to pray for you from a distance. But that ain't what the Bible says. Can that happen? Yes. Jesus prayed for the centurion's servant. Servant was not there. Am I negating Prayer from a distance? Absolutely not. Different circumstance, different context, different uh, uh, a meaning going on. But when you decide that I'm not going to lay hands on anybody because I'm afraid I might catch what they have, then you're not operating in the spirit of power. And if you're not operating in the spirit of power, you are in effect making ineffective the gift of God in you. I'm just crazy enough to believe that if God has called me to lay hands on you and we happen to come across each other in our path, then I am to do just what God has called me to do. Lay hands on you so you can recover without fear that I'm going to get what you got. You see, when you renew your mind after Christ, you find and you begin to understand that you're a creature of power that's made in the image of God. In essence, you have already died to the flesh and you're now alive through Christ. The life that you live is not by the power of your flesh, but rather by the power of his dear son. The problem is, is that many in the body of Christ are still living by the power of their flesh, which is why sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't, which is why some Sundays I'll talk to you and some Sundays I won't, which is why sometimes you're my ace goomba, and sometimes I want to put you under my foot. Because I'm not operating as one who has died to the flesh, but as one who is alive to my flesh, motivated by my flesh, empowered by my flesh, and my flesh is enmity against God. This is why some even in the body of Christ are lashing out at the leaders of the church. Because they're not operating in the spirit of power, but they're bound by the spirit of fear. They resist and refuse to even acknowledge that. And they're motivated by their flesh. And then they do the things of their flesh. Their thoughts and their mind and their mouths begin to produce things born of the flesh. Rather than things born of the spirit. You see, you can determine in your mind that things are different from what they appear to be. You can accept your condition or your sickness or your crisis as fact, 
but you need to declare with your mind what is true. Because we as the children of God do not live by facts alone. We live by truth. Jesus is truth. His word is truth. His word has power. His word is spoken by you who have been infused with the power and that power changes things. Life from death, health from sickness, prosperity from poverty. You might be thinking I've gone off the deep end and lost the few marbles that I got left. I really done gone crazy. But I simply believe that my God is greater than the crisis that I'm facing. I believe that my God is able, according to his word, which declares in the 91st Psalm, that he will keep pestilence from coming upon me. He will do it. It doesn't say, I will do it by getting some Purell and being like Peter, don't just do my hands, do my whole body as well. This is what the Word of God says. John 14, 12 through 14, this is why it's so important to know the Word of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what, it, what, what is it that Jesus is saying here? He's saying his word is what is true. Facts are just facts. They have no meaning of themselves unless you connect them in context to something else. The Bible declares that we have power to ask, and if we believe, he will do exactly what we have declared, what we believed in our heart. We have the power to do what Jesus did, and then not just that, but to do greater, to have a greater impact. The purpose of which is that the Father is glorified in the Son. If all the born-again believers caught the coronavirus and died, what glory is that in God? I'm crazy enough to believe that even if I do contract it, that my God will show up, that his glory might be revealed in my health. And because I believe that, I'm not afraid of it. And because I'm not afraid of it, I use real wisdom. I take logical 
steps. My wife and I went to the store. I bought one package of toilet paper. I bought one package of paper towels. I bought enough meat like I buy all the time when there was no corona. We didn't stock up. I got enough to keep me until my next paycheck. And then we'll go back to the store. And I believe that whatever I need to sustain this natural life will be there or will be able to find it. Why? Because I'm not trusting man. I'm trusting God. We have power to glorify the son. People of God, you have to understand that God has chosen you to be his people, a people that's not powerless, but a people that has power. Power to what? To heal. Power to what? To give life. Power to what? To live free. Power to tear down the camp of the enemy. And if those camps are in our midst, God has given us power to deliver this lost world into the hands of the Redeemer, including ourselves. God has made us like him. If I am made like him, then I am impervious. I am impervious to death because I've already died in Christ and I am now alive through Christ. I have already secured victory over the grave because Death is not the cessation of life in this natural body. Death, at its core and truth, is the cessation of a connection to that which is life, and that is God. I was already dead in my sin and trespasses. Is that not what the Bible says? You were dead in your sin and trespasses. But because of the work of Christ, I am now alive. And the life that I live, I live in great abundance. We've locked that abundance into some type of financial thing, but I have the abundance of life in me so that I am able to overcome the things of the world. What did God say? He has made us more than overcomers through Christ. So then... As this invading enemy, they're, they're identifying this as a state of war. We're in, in war with an, an invisible enemy, an enemy you cannot see, and that is exactly correct. The real enemy, though, is not COVID-19. The real enemy that is invisible is the power of the spirit of fear that's using the tool of this sickness to bind you right where you're at. See, God has made us like him. When man fell in the garden and sin stripped us from our birthright, Jesus restored us by becoming the very appropriation for our sin and bringing restoration to the body through the cross. So we've not fully received our redemption, but we have received our power back. We are not like Samson. We are greater than Samson was standing between two pillars asking for one last shot. We are the redeemed of the Lord. 
I don't have one last shot. I'm full of the power of God. Wherein lies that power? Our power lies in the word which made the heavens and the earth. The word which became man. The word which is described as being full of truth. John 1, 1 through 4 says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things uh, were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Going on down to the 14th verse, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Not facts, truth. If we're going to bring glory to God through the Son by what we do in his name, then we have to start acting based upon the power that dwells in us. But the enemy wants you to believe you are powerless to do anything. And this is where the invisible force to set you to fright or to alarm is purpose for when sickness disease injury or suffering in the body come we take this as a fact of life but we have to understand this is not the truth of life sickness is a fact of life it is not the truth of life this is actually false evidence against our redemption Evidence that says we are powerless to do anything against it. Evidence that says we are foolish to believe anything opposite it. Evidence that draws our mind away from the one and only true God. We don't speak truth. When some of us do, we don't believe the truth we speak. I prayed, but when I went to the doctor, the doctor confirmed I was sick. I knew I was sick. I had a sniffle. I knew the doctor was going to make that report of my condition. Fear has caused us to not accept the truth of God and only receive the falsehood that we had already expected. The power of God is within us, so because this is what we believe, we have what we believe. We have what we believe. What was in conception false now becomes true for us because we gave that false thing power to live. We need to stop looking for something to happen and start making something happen because God gave us power to make Stuff happen. Isaiah said this, 53 and 5, but he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. A chastisement of our peace was upon him and what? With his stripes we are what? Sick? No, it says we're healed. So healed is a past tense word. So because we understand the word of God which is true, then even if I get sick, 
I'm already healed. I'm not getting healed. I am already healed. So the, the truth of my healing supersedes the fact of my sickness. So then in my mind, I begin to accept what is true rather than just some facts that are trying to negate the truth. Exodus 15 and 26, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in whose sight? His sight, not man's sight, his sight. And will give ear to whose commandments? His commandments, not man's commandments, his commandments. And keep all his what? Statutes. Not man's statutes, his statutes. Watch this. This is what will happen. If you do these things, because God is dwelling in you, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought against the Egyptians. Why? For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Bishop, are you saying that God now has released the COVID-19 against humanity? No, that's not what I'm saying. The COVID-19 is a result of man not living biblically. Not living according to the direction of the word of God. And because of that, all kinds of things are going on in the earth. All kinds of sickness and disease and, and defects in the body and uh, breakdowns of the body and uh, the food we eat, the very things that we're doing to our food supply. I know you guys understand that not all of that chicken is real. Stuff was grown in a lab. Or there's a whole lot of chickens running around without wings. I'm just saying. But you have to believe what God says. You have to believe what God says. We have to live according to the word of God. If you live according to the word of God, the natural man gets the benefit of extended health in life. But because we do not, the spirit man and the grace of God allows us to overcome the failings in our flesh. This is what Psalms 107 and 20 says. He sent his word. He sent his word. Well, John tells us who his word is. Who is his word? Jesus. You can say it. It's okay. It's not a curse word. Not yet anyway. Amen. Who is his word? Jesus. John tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. Well, we know who that was. That was Jesus. So his word, he sent Jesus and what? Healed them. Watch this. And delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word to heal us. Well, when Jesus left, what did Jesus say? So we, we understand Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus became flesh to fulfill the plan of God to redeem mankind to himself, which causes now Jesus to do what? Have to leave us. So he's not physically present with us now. 
There is no Jesus walking around. That is the manifestation of the Son of God. Jesus laid his life down. And when he laid his life down over 2,000 years ago on the cross, that was the plan, the fulfillment of the redemption uh, work of God to restore us back into right relationship with him. So now that we are in right relationship with him, when Jesus is going away to sit at the right hand of the Father, he says, watch this, I'm going to leave you not alone, but I'm going to leave a comforter who shall abide in you. The very fulfillment of the power of Christ is dwelling in you through the gift of the Holy Ghost. So then the very power of the sent word is dwelling in you to heal you and to deliver you from every destruction. So then I don't fear what comes against me because the deliverer, my deliverance, is already in me. How many of you have ever gotten a vaccine? Well, we all know what a vaccine is. At least I hope you know what a vaccine is. A vaccine is a dead whatever that's put in your body so what is already in your body recognizes what's foreign to your body and then responds in a manner to deal with that thing. How many of you got a flu shot? How many of you have ever gotten a flu shot and still got the flu? How many of you died? Why? Because your body has something in itself called an immune system to help you fight off what is foreign to it. That's just naturally. That's just a natural thing. Now, we see this as a spiritual power that's coming against humanity. Is there not something in you already designed to fight against what is foreign to you? The gift of the indwelling of the very life, breath, wisdom, knowledge, power of the one and only true and living God? Matthew 4 and 24 says, And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him, watch this, all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Healing is in you. When sickness tries to bring evidence against what is true, you have to remind the sickness what is true. The truth is, I have already dealt with you through the power that is already alive in me. Matthew 8 and 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak thy word only. Why? Because the word 
is what is true, and my servant shall be healed. The centurion recognized that the sickness of his servant was contrary to the truth of Jesus. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. I could go on all day like this, but I know you're getting tired and you want me to hang up the line. So I'll just, uh, maybe I'll just stop right there. I'll just stop right there. People of God, you cannot respond to this crisis like the rest of the world is. You have to obey the authorities. Whatever the authorities tell us, we have to obey it because the Bible declares that that is what is right. That's what's true. We have to obey the rules. So if the rules are such that they close all the churches, then we have to abide by that and figure out another way to have church so that we can continue to declare what is true. We are God in the earth. We are not only the representation of God, but we are the declaration of God. We are the manifestation of God in the earth. God is speaking to the earth through us. I would love for God to just appear at Times Square. Just God. Just boof. Right there, Times Square. Like at New Year's when they're getting ready to drop the ball. Jesus go, pow, I'm here. And it like just be Jesus. Not him functioning through somebody, but just be Jesus. Big light, bam, on fire. Just standing there. That would be great, but he ain't doing that. When Jesus shows up, the world is in trouble because he's coming to conquer the enemy. He's coming to set up his kingdom in the earth for the millennial reign when he shows up like that. Until then, all the world has is you and I. And because of that, the enemy is doing everything he can to keep you locked up. In essence, the enemy is trying to imprison you with an illegitimate authority. But you've been made free by the legitimate authority which is God. You don't have to fear all this stuff that's going on. And because you don't fear it, I'm not telling you to be cavalier about it or throw caution, excuse me, to the wind. You have to temper your response to life according to the word of God, what the word declares for you to do how you are to interact with life and with people. Am I saying that we should all go home and throw a big barbecue? Of course not. It's not what I'm saying. We ought to practice. Do things that are 
right in the eyes of the leadership that we have, while at the same time, we have to remember who we are and operate under the guise of truth. We have to come together as God's people to let the world know he is still a God that heals us. He's still a God that delivers us. That our God is not dead. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. He's alive in each and every one of us. He is our hope. We have to understand who he is. We have to understand the truth of who he is. Don't you understand, as I take my seat, who you're in covenant with? Well, let this be the last thing that I say. You are in covenant with Jehovah Elohim, the eternal creator. You are in covenant with Jehovah Adonai, the Lord, our sovereign master. You are in covenant with Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. You are in covenant with Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. You are in covenant with Jehovah Rofika, the Lord, our healer. You are in covenant with Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. You are in covenant with Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. You are in covenant with Jehovah Nakadishkum, the Lord, our sanctifier. You are in covenant with Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. You are in covenant with Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is present. You are in covenant with Jehovah Elion, the Lord most high. You are in covenant with Jehovah Rohai, the Lord, our shepherd. You are in covenant with Jehovah Hosinu, the Lord our maker. You are in covenant with Jehovah Elohinu, the Lord who is our God. You are in covenant with Jehovah Elohika, the Lord thy God. You are in covenant with Jehovah Elohe, the Lord who is my God. May the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according 
to the working of his mighty power. May the grace, the peace, and the love of God be upon each of you. Keep you in your going out and in your coming in, in your rising up and in your laying down, in your labor and in your leisure, in your laughter and in your tears. Until that day when the Lord shall crack the sky and the trump of the Lord shall sound, and we who are in Christ shall be changed. In the moment and the twinkling of an eye, the dead of Christ shall rise first. And we that are yet alive shall meet them in the air. And forever shall we be with the Lord. Father, keep us. Cover us. Protect us as only you can. For you have seen what we cannot see. You have been where we have not gone. For you, everything is right now. You are my healer. You are my deliverer. You are my keeper. And I am your child. I declare to you my life is not mine, but it is yours. Do with it as you please. For I am alive in you. And I love you. And I know you love me. Father, bless everyone under the sound of my voice that they might be encouraged with your word, that they might understand they are not defeated, that they do not have to fear, for you are God, and beside you there is none other. All power is in your hands, and you have already overcome the world. We are victorious in Christ. So I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And I believe in you more than I believe in the evidence that has been presented. Father, your word is true. And everything else is simply false evidence against the redeemed. It is in the name of Jesus I speak peace. I speak life. I speak healing. I speak deliverance. I speak protection. Covering. That God will be glorified and the enemy horrified. In Jesus' name, amen.